Well, I want to invite you uh, to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 12. Before we get into our message, uh, we'll have a word of prayer, ask God to speak to our hearts here this morning, and uh, then we will get into Romans chapter 12. Father, we come now to this time where we come before your word. We come to your word. Father, we seek to dig into it, literally to to feast upon it. It is the bread, the water that nourishes us and strengthens us. It is that vehicle that you have inspired and preserved for us that brings us to maturity, to be more like Christ. Father, help us in these moments together. We confess that we're sinful people. We're needy people. We are often reminded of our weaknesses. We fall to temptation. We yield. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to challenge us, to exhort us, to take the truths that we're going to see in these few verses together this morning and really apply them to our hearts individually. Father, may we as a church family here at Farmington Avenue Baptist Church, may we be a place where your word is always revered, respected, treasured. Father, we we pray for the various ones in our congregation who may be battling some, some illnesses, difficulties, may be going through some, some struggles in the workplace. You know each need of, uh, in each life, the burden of every heart. We ask that you administer as only you can do. We thank you that you are the great physician, that you are the divine counselor. Father, we thank you that we can partner with those who are taking the gospel around the globe. And it's been a blessing to hear from many in these last few weeks of kind of like a, an annual wrap-up, a report of what you've done uh, through their ministries and their own lives personally. And they, like us, are looking forward to a new year of serving you in the, the mission field, in the harvest field where you have called them. So we ask that you would encourage them even today and strengthen their hands for the work that you called them to. We think today even of some of our own young people, our college students who are on their way back to to school, to their various places, their universities, or maybe just leaving in the next day or so. Give them safety, encourage them, help them to, to do well in this coming semester. Pray for for some even who will be finishing up their undergraduate uh, terms. May they finish strong and, Lord, provide for them. Provide jobs and and wisdom of what is the next step. So, Father, we all come now to this time together, to your word and around your word. Father, help us to look deep into it. Help help it, Lord, to, to shine its light of truth into our hearts, reveal In our own hearts, our weaknesses, our failings, be our guide, our strength. Help us, Father, to 
to go from this time to be doers and not just hearers. So may you be exalted. May you be praised. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Amen. Romans 12, verses 3 through 5. Paul here continues to write, and it is a very personal exhortation. And I think you're going to find here in our moments together this it's very FABC specific uh, this morning. There are some times when we get to a passage of Scripture and it is a broad theological theme, and that's great. But the truth is, whenever we come to Scripture, we ought to be looking for those opportunities really to say, okay, but what's it mean? What does God want me to get from here, from this passage? What am I to glean so that I can become more like Christ personally? If each of us do that, then obviously, corporately, the growth is occurring and maturing and so on. But it has to start in our own hearts first. And as we looked at last week, Paul gets very personal. And that is going to continue as he writes here, For, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. One body, many members. (laughs) Paul, obviously uses a physical illustration that we can all relate to without any difficulty at all. As I've said, he also continues the very personal exhortation that he began in the previous sentences. This is one of at least three passages contained in the letters to the early church that addresses this particular topic. It was obviously intended to be understood as an important aspect of the function of the church. It is a needful reminder. It is a needful exhortation. Jesus introduced the plan of the church in Matthew 16. Remember, he's talking to Peter, and of course, this is one of those verses that has gotten twisted and construed considerably out of its, I think, original intent and context. But Jesus makes the statement there, and he says, I will build my church. That word church is introduced. He speaks for the first time about the ecclesia, the called out assembly, a group that God himself, through the ministry and the working of the Holy Spirit in individual hearts, is going to literally call out of the world, set apart, sanctify for himself, and use for his eternal purpose. The word is used some 110 plus times in the New Testament. The vast majority of the occurrences refer to a local assembly of believers. It is neither pious nor correct to take the position that you are going to serve the church universal without serving faithfully in the church local. 
I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had through the years with people. Again, I've been privileged to serve in ministry now for over 30 years. And have people say, well, yes, I'm a believer, and I just, I just serve the church of the world. <laughs> well, that can be commendable, but if you're not serving the church local, you are missing a massive, massive part. And I would dare say that it will be very difficult for you to truly mature in your faith without being part of a local assembly. It just doesn't work. There have no doubt been many through the 2,000 years of church history that have tried it. There are many who do that even still today. You're going to find it deficient. Mark Dever said of the church, quote, The church is the gospel made visible. The church arises only from the gospel, and a distorted church usually coincides with a distorted gospel. So it's vitally important that we determine to be not just a church as the world has come to expect it, but also as the Bible commands it. We must not become a distorted church lest we tragically distort the gospel. To do our job, we must understand the unity as well as the utility that God expects of the church. Now, I said there are other passages in the New Testament, two primary ones, one in Corinthians, one in Ephesians, that, that really kind of hit this subject head on. This is one of those as, uh, as a New Testament church, and, and if you're in a place, uh, we certainly strive for this here, um, that preaches systematically through the text of Scripture. You're going to hear this. We have heard this. I have preached on this subject before. Some of this I'm going to share this morning. It's a repeat. But I believe God has done that, compiled it all. These letters went out in the first century, but now they've all been preserved and compiled for us. God in his omniscience knows we need to hear it more than once. This needs to be a regular reminder. It's very easy for for any of us to kind of slip away into, well, I just, yes, I'm, I'm a participant or an attender, or maybe we even identify as a member of a local church. But are we really doing what God wants us to do? Because when you look at what he says in this passage and in the accompanying and, and complementing passages, there is an expectation of action. It's not just a, well, I'm loosely identified with. So I want us to really see that this morning as we look here in this passage. Paul has used the analogy of the sacrifice of our bodies in the first couple of verses. And he now calls us to be unified as a body. You know, we desire unity because it is the desire that God puts within our hearts as his children. What we know to be his command from his word. Unity evades us because we're sinners who often elevate our personal desires over the ones that God has for us. He's using this illustration, a very practical one, of our physical bodies. The psalmist says in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee, why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
How often do, does that verse come to our minds or we hear it quoted probably fairly regularly? I, I'm not going to take the time to, to, you know, to go through all of that. I, science was not my big subject. Um, we have some physicians, doctors, uh, and nurses, many nurses in our, in our congregation, um, and uh, I could get myself in real trouble uh, very quickly probably. But just, you know, basic facts. You know, hundreds and hundreds, I think over 600 muscles in the human body. 206 bones in the human body. 27 in the hand. And over 200 movable joints. I mean, it just, it is amazing to think about our physical body that God spoke into existence. God created and how it works, and how it functions. Yes, we, we are often reminded, right, of the frailty of it. We, we are often reminded, uh, you know, who knows how many nerve endings we have, but uh, there's probably hardly a day that goes by that we are not acutely aware of some nerve ending. Mentioned we have 27 bones in our hand. There are eight carpal and five metacarpals, proximal and digital phalanges, and four intermediate inner phalanges. And how many of you woke up this morning thinking about the fifth metacarpal and fifth proximal phalange of your right hand? Of course you didn't, right? Well, I will confess, there are some mornings, especially cold mornings, I do. <laughs> and the reason is because about 14 years ago, I crushed it. Now, that's a story for another day, but suffice it to say it happened. And the reality is now, when I close this hand, that pinky folds over kind of funny. I never in my life had thought about the, the fifth metacarpal bone of my right hand. Now I sometimes do. Another thing I learned during that whole recovery process is, because I am right-handed... Okay, you know, you know, keyboarding and stuff was uh, obviously hindering stuff. But then when the cast came off and I started to write again, too, I had no idea the part that my pinky played in handwriting. I mean, just things like that, that you just don't think about until that part of the body is affected, impacted. Its use is diminished. It's injured. All of a sudden, it gets a lot of attention. Just as the human body has many parts all working together, so too does the body of Christ. Each part must be functioning properly in order for the body to be as productive as God intended it to be. This does not mean that a local assembly, a, a smaller local assembly cannot do everything God wants it to do because it's not and doesn't have as many members as the big assembly. No. And I will confess, I, I have fallen prey to that, that thinking um, years gone by in my pastorate. I planted a church in uh, the north suburbs of Atlanta and I, I had those thoughts and I probably even articulated, well, when we get to such and such size, we can. Well, I mean, there may be just some, you know, monetary things, but the reality is what that 
thinking leads to is, well, I don't have what, God, what I need in order to do what God wants me to do. Absolutely not. He doesn't hold us accountable for not being able to make as big of a financial contribution as a larger ministry. But he has formed a body, the parts that are needed to accomplish his will in that body are present. It's an amazing thing, the New Testament church. Every congregation I have ever been a part of growing up or or over 30 years of ministry, it has always amazed me to look around and to see just who God brought together, how he brought them together. It's a fascinating thing. It's a glorious thing. Just as these parts come together and they function, to do that, there must be a proper attitude of humility for the body to function as it should. He talks about that in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There are many applications, I think, that could be drawn from that. But one of them, I think, certainly, if we we all have to guard our own hearts, we have to think, well, you know, look what my past experience I have. Look what things I've been involved in, so on and so forth. And I should be able to do, well, that may not fit in with that particular local assembly. There must also be a proper relationship within the body. There must be unity. The reality is there are a lot of mundane, behind-the-scenes tasks and positions that are vital for a local church to function. I'm so thankful for the many folks that serve here at Farmington Avenue so faithfully, so, so humbly behind the scenes. Just as there is diversity... In the human body, there's diversity in the body of Christ. But there needs to be unity among that diversity. Again, one body, many members. John MacArthur says, quote, just as it is in nature, unified diversity in the church is a mark of God's sovereign and marvelous handiwork. End quote. And so, I want to very quickly this morning pose to you three questions. Three questions as we consider this aspect of one body and many members. Are you part of the body? Are you a functioning part of the body? Are you a faithful part of the body? The first question that has to be asked and answered, is are you a part of the body? It kind of has two parts. First of all, to be a part, a functioning part of a local church, you must be part of the church universal. Salvation through Jesus Christ is what makes you part of the universal body of Christ. Paul has already clearly explained the gospel in the letter. We, we have taken a, a lot of time. We took all of 2023 to work through the first 11 chapters. And the gospel has been crystal clear. 
So by the time he gets to chapter 12, again, he's writing this letter to the church. By the time he gets to chapter 12, there are some assumptions that, hey, if you're still hanging on by now, let, let's, let's uh, assume that the gospel has, has, you've wrestled with that. You've come to, uh, to the realization that you needed Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so he is, he is saying that now, again, it's like laser-like fo- focus. He is talking to these believers The moment that you realize you're a sinner, you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you put your faith wholly in him, you become part of the body of Christ universal. There are passages in Romans, and through the years they've come to be known as the Romans Road, and they do very, very simply walk you through the gospel. Romans 3.23 reminds us that we're all sinners, We've all come short of the glory of God for all have sinned. Romans 6.23 tells us that because of that, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has a fix for the sin problem that we have. Only God has a fix for the sin problem that we have. Sinful man has tried to fix that problem in many other ways, but only Jesus Christ is the solution to that problem. In chapter 5, he reminds us that God demonstrates his love to us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God proved his love. God showed his love in that way by sending Jesus Christ. And then, that wonderful verse in chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The gospel is heard. The realization that I'm a sinner is admitted the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in a heart, in a soul, in a mind. That need for repentance is realized. And the only answer is to call on the name of the Lord. In that moment, there is salvation. In that moment, you're added to the body of Christ universally, along with those who are present, as long as with those who have been part in years gone by, even back to the apostles. And so the question is asked in that respect, are you part of the body? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Now, the next part of that question is, are you part of a local body? Because again, that is, as we look through the New Testament, that cannot be avoided. We have this massive portion of the New Testament, the epistles, beginning with Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. You have the seven letters to the church, churches in, uh, in the first couple chapters, three chapters of Revelation. These local assemblies are obviously how God intended for the gospel to, to be spread. And so the assumption is, and I think rightly so, are you part of a local body? We have people that visit with us regularly here in our services. And they, uh, I, I may greet them before or after a service. And uh, I ask them, you know, you know, introduce myself and what's their name? And what brings you to church today? Well, and oftentimes I'll get a response. Well, we're looking for a church home. Wonderful. Maybe God will lead you. This will be the place for you. 
it's wonderful that someone makes that admission, that recognition. You know what? I need that. I'm looking for that. Farmington Avenue isn't the place for everyone. But it is the place for many. And so, as God leads, people are added to the body. We've seen that happen through the years. So then, we ask the second question. Not only are you part of a body, but are you a functioning part of a body? It's not just about, well, I attend there on Sunday. I support it financially. I pray for the preacher there. I pray for the people there. Notice what he says in verse 6. And we'll get into this a little bit more even in the next week and in some coming weeks. But, but notice what he says there. As he talks about the members of the body and different gifts, he says, verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Those gifts, those talents that God has given to you are to be put into practice, into use in the context of a local body. Paul here is talking to the church at Rome. He had not yet physically been there. He's writing this letter to them. We know, of course, one day he will end up there. But he's telling that church, Use your gifts in the context of that local ministry. Membership in a local body of believers gives you an opportunity to be a contributing part of the body as God intended. The church universal, that's too big to even comprehend. But being functioning part of a local assembly that's very easy to, to understand. That's very easy to see. That's very tangible. Let me get a little pastoral here. Occasionally I'll have a conversation with somebody and they are not attending. They used to attend. and It's not that they've gone somewhere else to attend. They just quit attending. They'll... I'll ask them, I'll say, well, you know, we've missed you and so on and so forth. Well, I, you know, I, I watch on TV so-and-so church and so-and-so ministry and listen to brother so-and-so. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I'm thankful for faithful gospel preaching pastors around the country. And some of them have very large and significant ministries. And they've been on TV for years and years and years. I'm thankful for that. But. When you have a real need that comes up in your life, are you going to call a church that's hundreds or thousands of miles away and they're going to come running to meet that need? God has given you gifts. It's very clear in Scripture. He's going to start articulating them. Are you putting those gifts to use in that ministry? He says, let us use them. So what gift that God has given to you, what talents, what abilities, what resources, how are you putting those to use in that ministry that's so far away? We have through the years tried various things um, as we assimilate new members into our congregation here. And we have a, um, 
course, class, whatever the case, however you want to describe it. Uh, I call it welcome to the family because we use that term here a lot because scripture uses it. The family, the church family. We are very much, I think, a family feel. I, I, I do hear that from people that God has led uh, to our ministry in, in the past uh, months and years. Um, it's a very family feel at Farmington Avenue. I praise the Lord for that. We, we don't shy away from that at all. But I call it welcome to the family. It talks about, you know, the history of this ministry, the function of this ministry, so on and so forth. But it also talks about how you can get involved in the aspects of this ministry. How you can be obedient to what he's saying here and use the gifts in this local ministry. We're kind of at that point in time again where we have a number of folks that have been attending for a while and they may be considering becoming a formal part of this local assembly. And so we are in the process of of putting together a, a welcome to the family reception. It's probably going to be on a Sunday afternoon. We'll provide lunch. It'll take a, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, and we'll just kind of roll it all into a one-time um, one event similar to what we did with the, uh, back in the fall with the Pizza with the Pastors events that we hosted on some Sunday evenings. But the goal is to inform about our church here, our local assembly, but also... To help you assimilate into the local assembly and be a functioning part of a body. Because God has gifted you. God has called you to do that. Each member functions to serve the body so that the body can appropriately serve the members. Let's use them. That gift, those gifts. That God has given to you. So are you a part of the body? Are you a functioning part of the body? Are you a faithful part of the body? This is implied as he delineates the various gifts and the expectation of their use and exercise within the body. And I divide it, I, I, I add it to this list. I, I don't lump functioning and faithful um, to assume that those two things go together. Because again, in our human minds and our human hearts, we, we would be very, very quick to say, oh yes, I function as part of the body because I, I send a, a check every month. Or um, I, I show up when you know, it comes my turn to serve in whatever you know, behind-the-scenes ministry there is. Scripture's also very clear, is it not, about being a faithful part of the body as well. Again, through years of ministry, I grew up in a pastor's home. I've been in ministry for many years, and it kind of amazes me that there is this disconnect in people's minds about church and membership in it as, a, as an organization, as an organism, different than anything else. If you're on a local sports team, you know, softball team, soccer team, whatever, up here, hockey team... <laughs> You wouldn't just never show up at a practice, show up to every three or four games and expect to have playing time. Civic organizations have expectations. I mean, this is very easily understood in so many areas of our life. But when we get into talking about church, all of a sudden it's like, eh, well. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Why do we expect... To show up at church to be used without a demonstration of commitment. 
I remember I had a conversation with a young adult, uh, it's been several years ago now, who began to attend, and I knew them somewhat. Uh, they have abilities and delightful, talented, well-educated. And I would have conversations. Hey, you know, you've, I know you have this interest or this ability. Would you like to get involved? Um, yeah, yeah, I think maybe so. Then I wouldn't see him for two or three weeks. They drifted away. I mean, this went on for months. Ultimately, they drifted away. I ran into him. That, well, I decided to go so-and-so. I heard kind of, you know, as sometimes is sec- a little bit secondhand, so take it for what it's worth. But, well, they just wanted to be involved more. I thought to myself, we would have been happy for them to be involved more, but they weren't yet faithful. I mean, we can't put you in a place where all of a sudden then, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to show up. That's what happens in churches all the time. This is a little inside baseball, I get it. But that's the reality. That again is that part of our lives, our, our temporality that we struggle with sometimes. You know, when the writer of Hebrews challenges us in Hebrews 10 about being faithful to the assembly and not forsake the gathering together. Obviously, we need the spiritual, we need the corporate worship, we need the faithful preaching and exhortation from the word. We need the time in prayer together. We desperately need that. But there are some very practical applications of that exhortation as well. Being an obedient child of God means that there is a high level of loyalty and faithfulness to a local assembly. Get back to the illustration of the body as we head towards the close here. The body is made up of cells. There are all kinds. Sometimes we hear about benign cells. Sometimes we hear about malignant cells. That term malignant makes us all very nervous and it should. Or mutant cells. Benign cells, they don't destroy the body. But they also don't contribute to the body. They just get fat off the contributions of other body parts. And they eventually sap the strength from the body and make it so it can't function properly. Mutant cells or malignant cells, however, pose a terminal danger and have to be removed. The body. One body, the body of Christ, many members. One local body. Many members. Are you a part of the body? Are you a functioning part of the body? Are you a faithful part of the body? Why is this so incredibly important? God has been assembling the redeemed through his grace for thousands of years. The sacrificial system was instituted in the garden. The covenants with Adam and Abraham and Moses and David were cherished. The prophets from Samuel to John the Baptist were sent to herald the message of the coming Messiah. Ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ as John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
to his disciples, Jesus begins to reveal the next phase of God's plan in Matthew 16, 18. We started there this morning, referenced it. They're going to be entrusted with the message of the gospel. They're going to be used to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the head and the chief cornerstone. A new organism, the New Testament church, which will be empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit to declare the message of the gospel. The universal church is being assembled by God's grace. The local assemblies are formed according to his ordained will. He has no plan B. The gospel is entrusted to us to declare his glory and grace to the nations. The advance of the gospel by believers through the ministry of the local church is God's plan. And therefore it is unimaginable that a child of God can be in obedience if he or she is not an active, serving, faithful part of a local assembly. Will Farmington Avenue Baptist Church be a body functioning as it should and as described in Romans 12? And if so, we will put our faith on display. May it be so, by God's grace and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to send Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins. Thank you that you love us enough to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit when we put our faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation to then begin the sanctifying and maturing process. Thank you that you love us enough to confront us with the truth, to exhort us, to call us to a higher, higher degree of commitment, faithfulness. Father, thank you for this local body that you have assembled by your grace. May it work and function for your glory. Father, help each and every one of us to do the work in this place that you have called us to do. May you add as you see fit. As new people are brought into this assembly, may they very quickly find a place where in a way where they can contribute, be a blessing, where they can grow and help us to function as you desire. Father, thank you. Give us the grace to hear this, to go and do it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.